Hey, thank you for listening to the Learning to Lead podcast. I am Paul Doherty, and today we're in episode two of a podcast series I did with Bishop T.D. Jakes. Yes, that's right, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, this was an incredible opportunity. He came to our church uh, back in November, uh, beginning of the month, and just spoke to us in our church from his new book, Soar, and really focusing on being a leader today in the business world. He shared some incredible wisdom. If you missed the first part of this interview that I had with him, it's in our previous episode on the Learning to Lead podcast, so make sure you listen to that. And we broke it into three separate episodes, so this is the second one, and there will be one more after this. But today we're going we're gonna to show the part of the interview um, and let you hear the part where he talks about facing your fears and how um, as an as a entrepreneur, as a leader, you need to be scared about what you're doing. There almost needs to be some of a nervousness to go, oh my goodness, I'm in over my head, I need help. Um, and he talks about how some of the greatest times that he thrived in ministry and business in a dream that God placed in his heart where he was stepping out was when he was in that scary place. So I know this is going to bless you. He also talks about the importance of mentorship and how to get mentors in your life and the importance of your uniqueness. What sets you apart? What makes you different than everybody else? So let's get right into the podcast today on learning to lead part two from the interview with Bishop T.D. Jakes, how to step into the scary place. Check it out. We have to have something to fight. Yes. We have to have something to make us think. Yeah. And one of the things I talk about in the book, Paul, uh, that, that might be shocking for a preacher to say, we have to have something that scares us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have... This uh, scared me. Yeah, this scared you? Oh. This no, scared. I was so scared to invite you to come. And I, I was scared to sit on this stage. But there's, but like you said, what you're talking about in this book... We, we need that. We need something that scares us. Yeah, get out of your, let me tell you something. Your greatest miracle will always be in your scary place. That's good. God is going to do the greatest work in your life with your eyes peeled back like this. Why do you think Job said, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him? <clears throat> when, when the Wright brothers, of whom the book is metaphorically discussing, yeah. the, the, the audacity for a grown man with two grown men with no degree in middle America, standing on the ground, to look up at an eagle in the heaven and say, I belong up there. Do you know how ridiculous it was? They didn't have the money, they didn't have the education, they didn't have the training. And they said, I belong up there. And they built a machine to reach their dream. That's what business is. A machine you build to reach your dream. You getting something? Now, let's talk about the eagles for a minute because the, the mother eagle, after sitting on the eggs, protecting it with her life until they hatch and going out and swimming and attacking prey and bringing back food until they grow, then
then turns around the same beak that fed them and the same body that warms them, takes them out to cliffs and throws them over the edge. <sighs> it is not that she has turned against her children, but she knows that they will never find their wings in safety. The eaglet learns to fly by confronting its scary place. And it's not even trying to fly. It's falling and flapping and thinking mama is crazy. <laughs> I'm calling Child Protective <laughs> Services. I gotta get out of this. But in the process of falling and flapping and falling and flapping and falling and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping. That's how you get your wings. Wow. When you confront your scary place. Now, I know some theologian is sitting there, God has not given us the spirit of fear, Brother Jakes, but of power and love and a sound mind. <laughs> you got to suck your bottom lip when you do it. But what the Bible said, it didn't say that, it didn't say that God has not given us fear. It says God has not given us the spirit right. of fear. The same God that didn't give me the spirit of fear absolutely gave me fear because fear releases my adrenaline glands. Wow. It makes me stronger than I would normally be. It makes me able to fight or flight based on what the situation is. Fear keeps me alive when I walk into a strange situation. It lets me know, be careful. All of my senses go on the edge. My hearing perks up. My body tenses and prepares for battle. Fear is a favor God gives you. He didn't give you the spirit of fear, but he gave you fear to get your adrenaline going. Fear makes you study harder. Fear makes you work harder. Fear makes you pray harder. Fear makes you walk upright. When you know that there are so many people hoping you fall, fear will make you walk upright. Wow. Fear will make you withstand the test. You need healthy fear. Your body triggers off a of healthy fear. And the problem with us is we don't have anything to scare us. We go to work, we go to church, and we go home. And then we go to work and we go to church and we go home. And then we go to work and we go to church and we go home. Well, my God, what do you need faith for to do that? Right. You need faith when you're at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's coming in behind you and the wind is blowing and they're gonna kill you if they catch you at any moment and you're standing and saying, oh God, what do I do? And he said, I already gave you everything you needed. Stretch forth your hand and you yeah. see the waters part hither and thither and both ways they go. Now you're living, now you're alive. Now you got something to shout about. Now give me a tambourine. Beat yes. that thing to the glory of God. Yes. And I gotta work out because I faced the thing I was afraid of. Come glory on. to God, I don't know who I'm Jeez. talking to today. You need that. You yeah. preach better when you've had something scary you have to death. You, because you've had a real experience with God. Deliver me from these preachers who haven't gone through anything. Oh. 
Open your Bibles to the book of Numbers. And let's read about all these dead people who did something exciting, because none of us living people are going to do anything exciting ever again in our life. No, God wants to excite you. Yes. He wants to motivate yes. you. He wants to invigorate you. Yes. I want to ask you a question. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Let me say this quick thing. Yeah. You're not old enough to have grandkids, but I got grandkids. And grandkids always want your attention. They think I'm their grandmother, but I'm not. <laughs> so I'm down there writing a book or doing something like that. The grandkids would come down, you know, and I act like I don't see them. And they say, Papa, and I act like I don't hear them. Papa? I act like I don't hear them. And when I'm doing something really important in order to get them to go away, I say, boo! They take them, ah! At about 30 minutes. <laughs> After about 30 minutes, they'll come tipping back down the stairs again. Papa? Hey, Papa! I like on him. Papa! Scare me again. <laughs> Tonight, when you go home, you need to drop down on your knees and say, God, scare me again. Come on. I love it. Oh. I have so many favorite sermons of yours. I, one of them that connects with this book, when you talk about the flight crew and you talk about the people you surround yourself with, you shared a message years ago on constituents, mm -hmm. comrades. comrades. You talk about people that are with you in the beginning to get the scaffolding. Mm -hmm. But once the, once the building's finished, the scaffolding goes. Talk about just for a moment the people that we surround ourselves with, how that helps our dreams or these entrepreneurs, whether they soar or not. Talk about the well, flight. Well, first of all, <clears throat> uh, in, in the book I talk about building your team yes. before you build your dream. And, and most people build a team consciously or unconsciously. All of my doctor friends have doctor friends. All of my lawyer friends have lawyer friends. My PR friends have PR friends. My actor friends have actor friends. Presidents have president friends. Preachers have preacher's friends. Here's the problem with that. If your team does what you do, they will always compete with you. Wow. You want to build a team of people who don't do what you do, who, who do what you're not good at. You want them to be strong where you're weak. So you have to be, first of all, big enough to admit that you're not good at everything. Yeah. And then surround yourself with people who complete you rather than compete with you. Yeah. You understand what I'm yes. saying? Jesus picks out 12 men, surrounds himself with 12 men. Not one of them is a rabbi. Wow. There were rabbis. He could have got somebody to help him do the preaching. He has Matthew, the tax collector. He has Luke, the physician. He has Judas, well, that wasn't a good pick, but he had Judas. <laughs> He had Judas counting the money, so forth and so on. He says, don't worry, I'll make you fishers of men 
But right now I need your boat. I need your boat more than I need your sermon. I'll teach you how to preach later. But let me use your boat. Building a team around you means accessorizing your limitations with competent people. If you surround yourself with people who only want to hear you, you're in the wrong circle. You want to build a circle that almost makes you feel stupid because it leaves you room to grow. That's good. You want to have the space. Most of us right now, are, are we're exhausted at 30. Mm. I've never seen so many tired young people in all my life. Wow. <laughs> 20 years old, I'm tired. <laughs> people just got out of the bed in the morning talking about, I feel like getting back in the bed. <laughs> I think you just got out of the bed. What's wrong? Are you sick? Are you running a fever or something? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why we're tired. We're, we are surrounded 24-7 by people who need us. They nurse from us. They want us to fix them, heal them, talk to them, move their furniture, help them in school, work out all their issues. We're surrounded by people who need us, but not people who feed us. Anytime you're surrounded by people who make more withdrawals than you have people who make deposits, you're gonna go bankrupt. The more people in your life that rise up that need you, I'm not saying run them off, but for every cluster of people that need you, you need another crowd that feeds you. Wow. Okay? Yes, sir. And the reason we're exhausted is that people are just drawing the very life out of you every day because they need you and you become God to them. And you're not God. And playing God is exhausting. Wow. So you become God to them. You deny them of the right to find God because you become their God by fixing all their issues for them and then go home and live with the secret that you're tired and that wow. you're not enough. You need a circle of people who are good at different things and you need a circle of people who feed you intellectually, not just spiritually, not just spiritually, intellectually. There, I want you to meet Fred, Fred is my mentor. Mentoring you about what? It's very seldom that you find one person who can mentor you about everything. The mentor you have about spirituality might not be the mentor you have about business, might not be the mentor you have about weight training and exercise. You need different types of mentors. I got a guy who will work you out until your tongue falls out, but he doesn't have any investments. He doesn't have any retirement. He wouldn't be the person I wanted to mentor me about finances. The guy who mentors me about finances is just fat. But he's rich. <laughs> That's really good. Surrounding yourself with people who feed you rather than people who need you yeah. releases a creativity that you didn't even know you had. You are one idea away from the dream God showed you. One idea away from a million dollar dream. You're one thought away. One little crazy thought for something they don't even have a name for. You can come up with some little weird name like Uber. 
<laughs> That'll be a good name. <laughs> we, that'll be a good name. Nobody's using that. I'll use that name for this crazy idea and this app. I'm going to build out an app and call it Uber. And I'm going to change the way the world moves around cities. Yes. And we need it right now. We need we it right need now. We need entrepreneurs. And it's in this room. Yes. It's in this room in right now. These, this is the future of Tulsa, of Oklahoma, of the world. There are people in here that are going to be multi-billionaires, that are going to create businesses. Bishop, you're planting a seed tonight. You're going to see the harvest in our city. You're going to come back here, I hope, someday. Yes. Soon. Yeah. And, and speak. Is that an invitation? Yes, sir. We want you back as often as you can. Tulsa. Azusa, yeah. 1993, yep, yep. the I'm world a, didn't know what was about to happen. I didn't know what was about to happen. When I was standing on that stage screaming, get ready, 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 I'm not sure whether I should have been saying it to them or to me. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really believe that there are people in this room who are sitting on what you were destined to be and do because we have this clannish need to fit in with our circle of friends. Wow. And if they're not doing it, mm. I shouldn't do it. <laughs> and we are not true to our core. Yeah. True to our core. Somebody interviewed me and they said, uh, well, uh, you're, you're a preacher. What are you doing making movies? Mm. You're out there in Hollywood making movies and you're supposed to be a man of God? <laughs> I say, yeah, I'm a preacher. But don't put a period where God put a comma. Yeah. Sometimes people like to put you in a box for their comfort and you spend the rest of your life living up to what they say you can do in the box they created for you. This poor guy didn't have a thought in his head to recognize that Jesus brought the kingdom to us by doing movies. That's what the parables were. Right. There were stories Jesus told that if he'd have had cinematic production, they would have been movies. We have more of Jesus' movies than we do of his sermons. Right. A certain man said, a certain man had two sons. Who are these guys? <laughs> Jesus used stories to change the world. If he was to come today, yes. what would Jesus be in this world right now? If Jesus came today, we would have to teach him church. Jesus never saw an usher. Jesus never saw a deacon. Jesus never saw a pulpit. Jesus never saw a greeting committee. Jesus never saw praise dancers. Jesus never saw a band. Can you imagine bringing Jesus to church and you say, wait a minute, Jesus, you can't sit in that section. That's for the elders. And Jesus... Jesus, the doors are going to open promptly at 5 o'clock. But don't go in the sanctuary until the greeters greet you. And Jesus, I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. 
I'm just saying that Jesus didn't say, I come that you might have church. He said, I come that you might have life yeah. and that you might have it more abundantly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm about to shout off my own stuff. I'm, I'm about to get this old, this old Texas boot in gear up here. Come on. I want to liberate somebody. Yes. I want to start a revolution. I wrote the book to start a revolution because I believe God still got some stuff in you that you haven't tapped into yet that will make you soar to another yes. dimension. When you started speaking on how people tried to imprison you into the world of being a preacher and a pastor, mm -hmm. but you had all these other gifts, it set me free on the inside because I started thinking, God, you want to do more. You want to do more. So talk about how do, we, how do we embrace those and find and discover those other things that maybe God's placed inside of us, the other potentials. Well, when people start your life at your trial sermon, <laughs> you know, like it's your birthday, like you didn't have any experiences before you did what they call you, that's erroneous. Jesus, is, God is going to use everything that you learn all of your life, not just your saved life. Paul was a tent maker, and the reason he was able to win Aquila and Priscilla is that they were in the same profession that he was, and he connected with them first on a professional level. Wow. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You bring to the pulpit, and you bring to the book, and you bring to the movie, and you bring to work, and you bring to marriage, everything that you have learned, everything that you have experienced. You don't leave anything out and you can't leave anything out. Your ideas, your creativity, your, you take Joel Osteen, who was standing behind a camera up until his father died, and look at his television production, how pristine and crisp it is, and it looks so perfect and it is so excellent because he brings that gift to the pulpit, you take Marvin Winans. He can preach, he can pastor, but he can sing the paint off the wall because he brought his gifts yeah. with him. Stop leaving your gifts at home and dumbing down who you are yes. so you can fit in with what people expect you to be. Bring the uniqueness of you to the table. Yes. God call you. God call all of you. Your fingers, your toes, your kidneys, your liver, your lungs. God called all of you. Yes. Y'all are rowdy out here in town. Come on. It gets wild. I think that too many of us are stuck on the ground. And we need to be in the air. We need to be building again. We need to be creating more than we're consuming. It's good for us, it's good for the country, it's good for the economy, it's good for the church. The, what is killing the church right now is that all the weight is on the stage. Mm. All the weight is on the stage. We come like we're at the movies to watch the people on the stage work out. Wow. That's not the way the early church was. Right. They continued daily going from house to house, breaking bread and fellowship. Yeah. It wasn't what the preacher was doing, it's what the people were doing. If two of them got in a city, they would turn the city upside down. 
No titles, no license, no credentials. They get in a city and start praying. If they got to praying in a jailhouse, they would pray the house down till the angels shattered the jail cell and church broke out. We've got to activate the body of Christ yes. and get us moving again. Yes. Touch your neighbor and say, moves. Move. Wow. I hope you're enjoying this series as much as I am on this interview with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I've learned so much from his book, Soar, uh, from just going back over that time where he shared with us what you're hearing today. I want you to make sure you tune in next week for part three, the last episode of this interview with Bishop Jakes on entrepreneurship, on leadership. And just remember, God's plan for you as a leader is so unique and it's so important that you've got to continue to feed the dream, the development, the the uh, the uniqueness of who you are, and that's why we're here. That's why this podcast is here. Is we want to help be that uh, that food, that fuel to strengthen you as a leader. So make sure you tune in for the third part of that interview next week. We love you. Thank you for listening. Share this podcast with your friends. God bless you.